Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Hallelujah. Why don't we do that now? Let's just give it praise tonight. Hallelujah, Lord. We're giving you all the praise. We're giving you all the glory. God, we give you all the honor. Hallelujah. We thank you, God, that we're able to be here in your presence tonight. For in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We thank you, God. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, that the blessings of the Lord. Hallelujah. Without repentance, God, we thank you, Lord, tonight for your goodness and for your mercy, for your compassion. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We're going to ask the uh, ushers to come very quickly as they are coming. Just a few announcements that we need to make uh, here in just a moment. We're going to dismiss the elements class. I remembered it. Jesus is coming soon. That's a sure sign right there. Um, children, if you have a child that is in the Christmas program, they've been practicing uh, up until now, and they're going to be in the program, they can go ahead and be uh, dismissed to the youth room. I think most of them are already there. But if there's anybody that might have snuck through and we didn't see them, uh, they're welcome to go there now. We do want to say congratulations again uh, to Brother Christian and Sister Flo. Amen. Congratulations. Amen. I think everybody is doing well and recovering. I think Brother Christian asked me Sunday, just pray that Flo would calm down, get some rest. So we could pray that for Sister Flo. Her name just got Flo. You just got to keep moving, right? Uh, and also for Jasmine, congratulations to Paul and Jasmine and Sister Angelita and the family. Amen. All right. Well, go ahead and pray and let the ushers begin to receive the offering. Lord, we thank you tonight again for allowing us to be here. And all of your many blessings, we pray now that you would bless the tithe of the offering as we give into the work of the kingdom. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. The ushers are coming right now as they are. Just a few more announcements. Uh, Sunday, Saturday, rather, at 8 a.m. for all of the men. Amen. All of the men. Little, little grunt from the men. Ugh. All right, all of you that did that. There's coffee and cortadas, cor, corbatas. Sorry, corbatas. At 8 a.m. for all the men. All right, coffee and corbatas. What's a corbata? A tie. Are we supposed to wear a tie or bring a tie? Bring a tie. Is it going to be a tie exchange? So bring a tie and trade up. Bring a cheap tie and trade for an expensive one. <laughs> That's what I would do. I'm just, uh, all right. <clears throat> and then on Sunday, our schedule Sunday is going to be a little bit different. <clears throat> um, we have our uh, picture Sunday, so this is an opportunity for you to get your family portraits for Christmas cards free. All right. The only caveat to that is we do ask that you give a tip to our photographers, still going to be much cheaper than you would get them anywhere else. And we have great photographers here, and they're going to be putting together uh, great backdrops for those pictures to be taken. That's for that reason, because they're going to be coming in uh, probably on Saturday or maybe even before that, I'm not sure, and getting everything set up. Uh, the, the Sunday school rooms are not going to be able to be used on Sunday, so we're pivoting a little bit. And to make it easy, uh, most everything is going to shift backwards 15 minutes. So prayer will go from 10.15 to 10.30. Now, what I did not say is you can only pray for 15 minutes on Sunday. Hopefully, you all know that you can spend as much time as you want on Sunday morning before you get to church in prayer. And I, I would advise that, all right? Uh, but when we get to church, from 10.15 to 10.30 is going to be the window of corporate prayer. And then at 10.30, we will start um, a unified Sunday school in here. The youth will be out. Uh, we actually have a guest uh, minister that's going to be speaking to our youth brother, Jordan Easter, who's an incredible young man. He's the youth secretary for the Virginia district. He's going to be here uh, Sunday speaking to our youth during that time. And then everybody else is going to be in here. Uh, it's going to be fun. 
All right, I don't know exactly what it'll look like yet, but it'll, it will be fun. Probably be focused around the children. And so it's an opportunity for all of you adults to be children for a little, little while. Maybe a little Father Abraham thrown in there. Uh, anyway, we'll see what all we'll, we'll, we'll pull out of the hat on that one. And then at the conclusion from 1030 to 1115, so 45 minutes, at the conclusion of that, there will be 45 minutes of coffee and conversation. And during that time, all of those uh, that are going to be getting their, their portraits done will get it done during that time. Uh, anybody they don't get to during that time, they'll do after service on Sunday. All right, so that's the reason we're shifting things a little bit. Um, we hope that you'll still come out and participate in Sunday school. And uh, I know the coffee and conversation will be a little bit longer than normal, but um, I think we can all, you know, I think we like each other enough we can endure 45 minutes. The other thing I'll say is uh, Friday morning, my wife and I are flying to Wisconsin for Brother Robert's planning retreat. And I will be flying home early Sunday morning. Uh, the goal is I'll land at BWI at 9 o'clock. My wife is staying and preaching for Brother Roberts to give him a break. And he got the better end of, the, of which one of us is preaching anyhow. But you guys will be stuck with me. So I'll be back in time for church. I'll hopefully be back here about 11 o'clock. Pray that Southwest doesn't mess anything up. But if everything works out, I'll be back here in plenty of time for church on Sunday. Looking forward to worshiping with you guys on Sunday. Looking forward to what God is going to do. Amen. This past Sunday, this past Sunday we were privileged to be able to baptize uh, Corey Merkel. Amen. Corey and Samantha are coming, and I think Brother and Sister Mitchell are doing a Bible study with them, and God's just doing great things in that family and so many others, and we're excited about all that God is doing. Amen. Uh, very quickly, and then we'll get into our study tonight or into the preaching tonight, in order to expedite Christmas photo process. So if you want to get your picture on Sunday, you're encouraged to sign up for a specific time to get your photos taken. See Sister Khadijah Plager for further details. There she is back there. Sister Khadijah Plager is right back there. Still getting used to that name change. Uh, I am. Her, not so. I am. I'm getting used to it. Uh, Saturday, December 9th is the Ladies' Christmas Brunch. And there is a sign-up sheet in the foyer for that Ladies' Christmas Brunch. Uh, also, brand new, Friday the 8th of, of December is going to be a hyphen Christmas hangout. And this is the first time you'll hear it announced because it hasn't been announced before. But uh, brother and sister Matt and Khadijah Plager are going to be taking the lead on our hyphen ministry. And I'm excited about that. They're excited about it. Amen. And so December the 8th is going to be our first official hyphen event under their leadership. We encourage you guys. Uh, you can see them. there. We, we talked tonight. They're already starting to put some plans in place for that. Um, not a sign-up sheet for you for that yet. But you can just see them if you want more information. Saturday, December the 16th at 9 a.m. Is that right? 9 a.m. is the Children's Christmas Program Rehearsal. And last announcement, Saturday, December 16th at 5 p.m. is our Christmas tree stroll. So that's, we're going to stroll among the Christmas trees. And there's going to be um, cookie making and decorating and gingerbread house decorating and hot chocolate and apple cider, I think. I don't know. No? No? Hot chocolate. What else? Lots of fun stuff. We'll just categorize it under lots of fun stuff. How do you like to do lots of fun stuff? Good. Everybody likes to do lots of fun stuff. So take just a moment and reach around and shake hands with four or five people, and we're going to get ready to get into the Word tonight. you stand with me and we're going to read the scripture and then I actually have a couple more announcements believe it or not we're going to start calling the uh, what is this the fourth Wednesday of the month we're going to start calling announcement Wednesday All right, not really but we do have a lot of announcements tonight let's read Acts chapter 20 beginning at verse 26 Paul is speaking here to the elders of the church of Ephesus and Here's what he says, Wherefore I take you to record this day 
In other words, you guys are here as witnesses. I need you to confirm for me that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all of the counsel of God. Amen. He said, I'm, I'm not, I can't be held guilty because I have told you everything that God told me to tell you. And he goes on and says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you now the overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves there will be men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God, to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Amen. And from this portion of Scripture tonight, I want to preach for just a, a little while tonight on this thought, a safe place. Amen. A safe place. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. Before I get into that, as I told you, just a couple of last quick announcements. Um, first of all, I do want you all to pray. Um, for those of you that were at the business meeting, all seven of you that were at the, now there were a few more than that. Uh, I know it's not an exciting event, you know. Probably you guys did not cancel other fun you had going on to be here for it. But we did cover some important business. And one of those items was, as you all know, Head Start program, which is kind of a program uh, for the community. Had reached out to us some time back with interest in leasing the, um, the Sunday school wing, um, that space from us. And due to a couple different factors, we turned down their offer. Uh, the main factor, we felt like their, their offer came in a little bit low. Uh, secondly, there were just some other things that uh, we want to make sure that uh, that space is, first of all, it's our space, right? We didn't want to feel like we were guests in our own space. Uh, another important factor is uh, we want to make sure that that space is representing our values, all right? We want to make sure that there aren't things being put on the walls and the doors in there that don't represent the values that we hold uh, very dear, all right, those are biblical values, not just our values, biblical values. And so we had turned that down. Well, they reached back out to us and um, asked if we would be willing to renegotiate. So I said, well, we can, but here's what we need. We need, we need $5,000 a month, not negotiable, all right? And we need, we need it, it's going to be signed in writing that there won't be anything put in there, and we're going to stipulate what that means, uh, nothing that goes against biblical values, will be posted on the doors or the walls or anything of that nature. And thirdly, that it's going to be our space when we're in there and it will be your space when you're in there, but it's not going, we're not going to be visitors in our own space. Um, I, I, I was pretty direct. I thought they would just not respond, but they did respond. And next Wednesday, they're coming to do a walkthrough, and it would be a great blessing if it, if it could work out on our terms, if it could work out. So I'm asking you all to pray. All right, pray God's will. All right, and wisdom in this. We don't want to, end, because everything sounds really good at the start. We don't want to get into something just, just because it's a financial blessing. Sometimes things are financial blessings that end up being nightmares. But if it is the will of God, then if it truly is a blessing, pray that the favor of God would be on us. The other element that very quickly, live to lead. I know we've uh, mentioned that a few times. That's the opportunity that we have uh, for a fundraiser. It's a leadership um, Let's see, what's the right word? It is a simulcast that was actually recorded back in October, but uh, we have, I have purchased the license. We have the license to be able to uh, show that, and it, it really has the capability of being a great fundraiser for the church, and more importantly, to establish ourselves for what can be a reoccurring fundraiser every year for the church. I, I really think that it could be something that every year we could raise, you know, uh, six digits every year we could raise through this fundraiser. But we really have about a two-week window before people start getting to the holidays. So if we're going to get sponsors and we're going to start gaining momentum in this, it's going to have to happen in the next two weeks. So if you are willing to help us to get connected with corporate sponsors, uh, I, we need to meet with you. So I'm not going to take a lot of time right now. But after service, I need about five minutes to meet with you. 
to discuss with you what, what we need you to do in order for us to start getting those corporate sponsors. So in the multipurpose room for about five minutes after service. Uh, the other part of that, everybody can help with this. Uh, one, I would encourage you, if you, if you can make it, it's a, it's a great opportunity. The, the, the speakers that are going to be in there, it's biblical values that are going to be shared. It's, it's great training, very motivational. Uh, you will benefit from being there as well as an opportunity to network with, with leaders in our community. So if you can make it, I would encourage you to. And then all of us can talk to somebody, all right, an individual that we can invite to come with us. If you do want to sign up, the forms are out there in the foyer. There's a QR code you can scan, and it will take you right there. You can, um, you can, you can pay to, to um, um, reserve, that's the, that's the word, reserve your spot to be a part of that, all right? So to summarize, five minutes if you're willing to help us with getting sponsors. And if, if we could get a handful of people that would help with that, that would be awesome because we really do have a very small window of time to work within to make this thing work. All right, a safe place. Everybody say a safe place. How many of you like being in safe places? All right, there's a few of you that like hanging out on cliffs overlooking nothingness. Amen. Daredevils, I think, is what we call you all. Um, but I think most of us like to be in safe places. In 2023, the security industry was a $48 billion industry all by itself, just the things that were directly categorized as security. If you figure in other industries that are also principally security in nature, such as the retirement and pension plan industry. Have you know that that's, that's about security? We want to make sure that our money is in a safe place. Uh, that was a $937 billion industry this year. Life insurance, which is a $1.06 tr trillion dollar industry. And the health and medical insurance, was a, which is a $1.3 trillion industry, which I think most of that came from me, I feel like. Um, and then, of course, our national military, which had a $1.52 trillion distributed among its different branches. So all of those are in some way attached to security. So if we bring all those together in the year of 2023, roughly $5 trillion this year were spent on humanity's basic human need for safety. In the name of safety and security, we make compromises that we would not normally make. I'll let some stranger, somebody I've never met before, I'll let them look through every content in my suitcase before I get an airplane. I would never do that. Can I look through your bag? No, you can't look through my bag. Look through your own bag. But because I want to make sure that I'm getting on an airplane and that there's nothing nefarious going on that airplane, I will let them look through my suitcase before I get in the airplane. If that's not bad enough, I will let a grown man that I've never met before Rub all over my body like I wouldn't. I'm sorry to be graphic. The kids are out. But I'm just telling you, when they, when they said, hey, we need you to step to the side, you know what's coming. And I would never let that happen. But in the name of security, right, it, it, things happen. Anyway, why? Because I want to make sure I'm safe. Abraham Maslow proposed in his 1943 paper a theory of human uh, motivation, a hierarchical explanation that demonstrated the escalation of human needs. He proposed that the foundational need of humanity are, are rather our physiological needs, air, food, water, shelter. Those are the fundamental needs that we all have. And then just above that, listed as the second most foundational and fundamental need of humanity is our need for safety and security. He went on to propose that once those fundamental needs of air, food, shelter, and and then above that, safety are taken care of. Then and only then can a person truly begin to connect and enter into meaningful relationships. And, and then beyond that, begin to respect themselves and those are Listen, when you're in fear, you're not worried about respecting people when you don't feel safe. But when you feel safe, then you begin, can begin to respect others. And, and kind of at the top of that hierarchy that he laid out there, that, that, that once everything, my, my basic needs are met and I've got air and I've got shelter and I've got food and, and then I feel safe and secure that then I can begin to pursue after my purpose in life. Now we know in the kingdom of God that it's our calling and it's what God created us to be. And, and so I share this tonight not for a crash course in psychology or to encourage you to invest in industries 
that are safety or security in nature. Rather, to lay a foundation for the proclamation that this church is going to be a safe church. Amen. And, and, and by the time I'm done preaching tonight, I hope that you'll know what that means. I, I, I share Maslow's hierarchy not because we're going to follow a secular model, but I do realize that a sense of safety and security brings with it the ability to thrive and excel. That the truth is that if people come to the house of God and they don't know that it's a safe place, they will never be able to truly pursue all that God created them to be. If there is not a sense that my eternity is headed in the right direction, then we'll never be able to step into our eternal purpose and our right calling. And so at the fundamental, at the foundation of it all, we need to know that this is a safe church. Amen. I'm not talking about beefing up our security forces. Although I thank God that we have them, and we certainly want you to feel safe in that sense. We're not talking about adding additional cameras around the perimeter or even the interior of this building. We're not going to install metal detectors as you enter in tonight. But what I'm talking about is spiritual safety. I'm talking about a sense of security that comes in being able to rest at night in the knowledge that I'm going to a church where the truth of the Word of God is being preached. Amen? A sense of safety that I'm not going to wake up in five or ten years to discover that there were things in the scripture that weren't being preached at the church that I go to. Amen. That there were things in the scripture that the preacher skipped over because he didn't want to hurt my feelings. That there were some things, you know, because here's the truth, we're going to get to this, but we are going to be judged by this word. We're going to be judged according to this book. And there needs to be an assurance that when you stand before the judgment seat, on that day when all will give account for their lives, amen, every man, every woman, every child, the Bible says every human being is going to stand before that throne and they will have to give an account for the lives that they have lived. And my desire is that you won't stand there shell-shocked at the revelation that my pastor didn't prepare me for this moment. Amen, that the church that I attended did not prepare me for this moment. In the passage that we read from Acts chapter 20, Paul is speaking to the elders at the church of Ephesus. He has been there in Ephesus working with these elders to lead the church for three years now. And he's letting them know that this will be the last time that they see him. Paul had that kind of relationship with God that he just knew. So he meets with them and says, this will be the last time you see my face. And in this last conversation, Paul is recounting his ministry as well as challenging them to continue to lead the church in his stead that he is now leaving. Here's what he says in verse 26. He says, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. The English Standard Version says it this way, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Amen. Acts chapter 19 verses 9 through 10 tell us that Paul taught the Ephesians and those in the region for three years using a rented room from the school of Tyrannus. There are some indications that Paul taught for several hours a, 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 a day and some six days a week. That means that Paul, in those three years, invested in hundreds of hours of teaching time. Some calculated that over 1,500, 15 hours that Paul spent with the church of Ephesus taking them through the scripture. He had plenty of time to take them verse by verse through the books of Hebrew scripture. Understand, he didn't have the New Testament that we have today. There, there's a good chance he had some of the letters of the Gospels, but not much. In fact, much of the New Testament was his writing. So he wasn't referring to that. He was referring to the Old Testament. He was referring to the Hebrew Scriptures. And in those 1,500 hours that he spent teaching them, he took them through every one of the verses, making sure, as Paul said, I'm taking, through, I'm taking you through all the counsel of God. Everything that God has given us, I'm making sure that I share with you the whole counsel of God. Paul would later warn in the last days 
people are, are not going to endure sound doctrine. They're not going to want to hear the whole counsel of God. They're not going to want to hear everything that God has to say, but rather, he said that they would want fables to be taught unto them. They would want teachers who would come and stand before them, and instead of declaring to them the whole counsel of God, they would simply give them uh, lessons for, for living a better life, and they would give them fables that, that might give them principles that they could live a better life by. Amen. Amen. But Paul said, I, I did not do that, but I came and I preached to you the whole counsel of God. The canon of scriptures, that's C-A-N-O-N, not, not the thing you launch cannonballs with, the canon of scripture. When we talk about the canon of scripture, if you, the Bible is divided into two testaments. The Old Testament, which is comprised of 39 books, beginning with Genesis, ending in Malachi. The canon of the New Testament, comprised of 27 books, beginning with the Gospels and concluding with the book of Revelation. The canon, what, what, when we say the word canon, what do we mean by canon? Well, canon was basically a consensus. The church fathers, the elders, that they began, to, they began to look at the letters that had been written and the books that had been utilized, and they decided uh, through consensus that these are the books that should be included in the Old Testament, and these are the books that should, be, that should make up the New Testament. And so it was uh, that these books were, th there were several criteria that were used to make these uh, decisions as to what books would be included and what would not be. You, you probably heard of the Apocrypha. Those are not canonical, uh, canonical, I think is how you say it, books. Those are extra biblical books. And there may be some value to reading them, but we should not read them with the same authority that we read the Bible by. And so on a different night, we'll get into, in fact, I have plans in the early part of next year to talk about the criteria that was used. But I would summarize by saying that it had to be agreed upon that in order for a book to be a part of the Old or the New Testament of that canon, it had to be divinely inspired. It had to be decided upon by the elders and the church leaders that that book had been inspired by God. It wasn't just the writing of some man, but that they could tell through the writing that it was inspired of God. And one of the ways that they could tell that is because wherever that word was, was utilized, that it brought transformation in the lives of people. Now, the word canon comes from the Greek word, which means measuring rod or standard. A measuring rod or a standard. This is just a dowel rod. You all know that. But, but that, what a canon meant is it was a, a measuring rod. It had a defined length upon that, on that measure. And, and it would be used because it had a defined uh, as, um, some sort of sense of measurement that other things would be measured by that measuring rod. That is what a canon was. It was a measuring rod. It was a standard. The definition of the English word canon is a criteria or standard of judgment. All right, It's a criteria or a standard of judgment. So I'm going to use this tonight as a metaphor for a biblical canon. Amen. That, that, that when Paul begins to say to the elders of the church at Ephesus, he says, I'm free from the, the guilt of blood of anyone that I preached to in the history of Ephesus because I ensured that I preached to them the whole counsel of God. Amen. I delivered to them the measuring standard. I, I, I delivered to them what they are going to stand before God one day and what they are going to be measured by. I delivered that unto them. And so I can say that my blood, that their blood is not going to be on my hands because I delivered to them the canon. I delivered to them the whole counsel of God. He says, I held up the measuring rod. I didn't react to the pressures that do come. I tell you, as a preacher and as a pastor in 2023, there are all kinds of pressures today to shorten that measuring rod. Uh, amen. There's all kind of people out there today, even in the church, uh, that would come and say, you know what, pastor, that's not necessary. Uh, we, we don't really need to spend so much time talking about that. Let's, uh, let's just kind of get rid of that part of the scripture. That's not necessary. Uh, amen. Without, we live in a world today where there is pressure. Uh, amen. There's pressure that comes upon the pulpit. Uh, there's pressure that comes against the church. Uh, amen. The enemy is doing his best to shorten that measuring rod. But Paul said, I didn't give in to the pressure. I didn't give in to the pressure that was around me. I didn't give in to the pressure from without, and I didn't give in to the pressure from within. I didn't react to the pressure. 
Paul was living in a time where the doctrine of the Nicolaitans was prevalent. In fact, it was the church of Ephesus, the same church that the leadership now Paul is addressing in Acts. In the book of Revelation, when Paul begins to address the church, he addresses the church at Ephesus, and it was that church, the church at Ephesus, where they are commended by, by God and by, by Jesus Christ. It's in red letter there in your Bible that the, the, the Almighty begins to speak, and he's listing some things about Ephesus that weren't good. But then he says, some things you did get right. And one of the things you got right is that you hate the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans was simply a doctrine that preached that you could be in the church and in the world at the same time. It's a doctrine that's prevalent today. I don't know who Nicholas was, but whoever he was, his doctrine's still around today. It was a doctrine that preached that in order to be a Christian, you didn't really need to be separate from the world you live in. That you could be worldly and be a Christian at the same time. It was the original cheap grace. That's really what it was, is that grace covers everything. So you can live however you want. You can do whatever you want. You can, you can, you can drink on the weekends. You can get high. You can sleep around. You can do whatever you want because we're under grace. It doesn't matter. There doesn't have to be a separate. The church and the world don't need to look any different from one another. In essence, what they were doing, what the Nicolaitans were doing is they were shortening the measuring stick. They were taking some things in the scripture and saying, that's not really that big of a deal. And that's not that big of a deal. But Paul said, I, I, did, not, I did not cease to preach to you the whole counsel of God. Amen. I know there's a doctrine of Nicolaitans around me, but I didn't shorten the measuring stick. I, I preach to you everything that's in the Word of God. It's the removing. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans is the removing of preaching that calls us to righteous living and separation from the world. And it is abundant in 2023. In fact, I would say it is the predominant doctrine of our day. Amen, the doctrine that grace covers everything. And you can live however you want to live and still be saved. Amen, that's not a new thing. It's an old doctrine all the way back to when Paul was preaching. And it's after the church today to say that righteous living isn't necessary, that you don't have to be separated from the world that you live in today. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, addressed the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, the doctrine of cheap grace, if I could say it this way, he addressed the shortening of the measuring stick. And I'm going to read to you what he wrote in this book. Here's what he says. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. But I'm glad Dietrich Bonhoeffer didn't stop there. He went on to contrast cheap grace with God's grace because he said this, costly grace is the treasure that is hidden in the field for the sake of a man that will go and sell everything he has to own it. It is the pearl of great price to buy which the merchant will sell all his goods. It is the kingly rule of Christ for whose sake a man will pluck out the eye which causes him to stumble. It is the call of Jesus Christ at which the disciple leaves his nets and follow him. Listen, living hope, we cannot afford a man to shorten the measuring stick in this hour. We cannot afford to buy into the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. We cannot afford a man to shorten the measuring stick and say, you know what, it's okay to live however you want to live. God doesn't really care. You can still live like the world and call yourself a Christian. I'm here tonight to declare to you that this church will be a safe church. I, when I say it's going to be a safe church, it doesn't mean that you'll never be offended by the word. What it does mean is that you won't stand before the throne on that day and say, I never heard this. Amen. It's going to be a safe church where the doctrines of the word of God are preached. This 
is going to be a safe church. When our world today is offering children to the gods of perversion, homosexuality, transgenderism, gender transitioning, we will not fail to deliver to you the whole counsel of God. I don't care what Fox and CNN and all of them say. I know that they're saying today that you just need to let your children go ahead and do whatever they want to do, but we're not going to go that direction. We're not going to shorten the measuring stick. We will not fail to deliver to you the whole counsel of God. Because here's the deal. I know the pressure, but pastor, just shorten the measuring stick. We're not blending in with culture like we need to, pastor. We stick out like a sore thumb, pastor. We just need to, some of those things you're preaching are a little too dogmatic. We, but the problem with shortening the measuring stick is when you stand before the throne, you're going to be measured by this one. When you stand before the throne, you're going to be preached by the, you're going to be, you're going to be judged by the whole counsel of God. You're not going to be judged by Fox and CNN. We're not going to be judged by what modern culture is telling us. We're going to be judged by the whole counsel of God. Amen. And so when your children stand before the throne on that day, I want them to know that they heard the whole counsel of God delivered unto them. Now, Wednesday night's my night to pastor a little bit. All right, Sunday is I, I got to, you know, I... I I tend to, to make it a little bit more evangelistic because I know we got guests and, you know, anyway, I pastor sometimes on Sunday, but Wednesday nights are really my time. And so I'm a pastor a little bit tonight. I know there are times, pastor, I wish you'd just shorten the measuring stick and tell me, tell my kids it's okay for them to miss church for a t-ball game. It's not really that big of a deal. Probably, pastor, my kids can miss church for a t-ball game and still make it to heaven. Yeah, maybe they can. Maybe they can. But I'm not pastoring you on a maybe. I want to tell you that if you'll do these things, if you will do these things, I know, I know that your children will not be lost. I know that your children will be saved if you keep them in the house of God. The pressure of society, that you could feel that pressure trying to push upon the church and Press against the pulpit, shortening that measuring stick and saying, you know, all that is not necessary. I know, Pastor, the Bible says that women should not dress like men. But, Pastor, you're really, you're really outdated when you get up in that pulpit and preach about that. That's outdated, Pastor. That's, that's Amish stuff you're up there preaching. By the way, Pastor, those aren't men's pants anyway. They're women's pants. I know. Some of the same ones that get their feathers all ruffled when I start preaching about this, about women wearing pants, would run out of this place tonight if I walked up here in a dress. You, you say, there ain't no way I'm listening to some guy wearing a dress preach to me. At least you still have that much of your senses about you. The issue is not about women's pants or men's pants. Uh, the issue that God put in place is gender distinction and separation. He wanted there to be a difference between a man and a woman. All this confusion we have going on in our world today, God is not the author of confusion. And so he said, I'm going to put a measuring stick in place. Now, I know some of you right now are not happy with what I'm preaching. Well, pastor, I think we can still be, you know, that, that's, just, that's just a few verses in the Bible that talk about that. I think we can, you know, we can kind of snip those off and, and we can still get enough of the word of God to get us saved. We don't really need that. The problem is when we stand before him, we're going to be measured by the whole counsel of God. Y'all going to help me preach on a Wednesday night? I want to be able to say like Paul, I, I, I am not here to lord over you. I can't make you do anything. I don't want to make you do anything. But what I do want to be able to say is I'm not guilty of the blood of any man because I delivered to them the whole counsel of God. Could you live a little more close to the world than what we preach here? 
and still make it to heaven? Mm, I don't know. I guess it's possible. But we're not here to be a church that maybe you get into heaven. We're here to be a safe church. Amen. That I know without a shadow of a doubt that if you'll follow me as I follow Christ and I deliver to you the whole counsel of God, that I know your family is going to be saved and I know your children are going to be saved. I don't want a preacher standing in the pulpit delivering me cute little sermons and then one day I stand before the throne and I'm being measured by the word of God. Would you go tonight and find other churches that have shortened the measuring stick and decided some of the passages that we still adhere to here at Living Hope aren't that big of a deal? Absolutely you could. But this is going to be a safe church. If it's in the Word of God, we're going to preach it. If it's in the Word of God, we're going to follow it. Amen? I want to preach in such a way that if you will follow me as I follow Christ... And if you will adhere to, adhere to the preaching that takes place behind this sacred desk, that there can be a sense of safety and security. Uh, amen. That I may not have all the things this world has. Uh, I may not have all the frills that this world has. But one thing I do know uh, is when I stand before Jesus, uh, I'm going to hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't want to go to a trendy church where they've chopped out so much of the Bible that all you got left is a few feet of the Scripture. I want a church that gets up and declares the whole counsel of God. To be fair, Paul also lived during the time of the Pharisee. In fact, Paul had been trained as a Pharisee. He trained at the feet of Gamaliel. And the Pharisees, on the contrast of the Nicolaitans who had whittled it all the way down to nothingness, the Pharisees had added on so much. They added their own rules and their own laws to the law of God that he had given. It was almost, you couldn't, you couldn't no matter what you did, you couldn't get righteous enough for the Pharisees. They were hardcore about the letter of the law while ignoring the spirit of the law. And the Pharisees carried around their measuring stick that had been lengthened. Now, you guys can't tell, but this one's longer than all the others. This is the Pharisees' measuring stick. Here's the other one. Maybe not. One of them was longer. It's the one I broke. <laughs> Grabbed the wrong one. Illustration busted. Just pretend. Pharisees carried around their measuring stick that they had added on to. They had lengthened, and they watched everybody else for their infraction. Oh, you didn't measure up to my measuring stick. You didn't measure up to all these rules they had added on. I, I don't know the math behind it. I, I've studied it out, but there, there were some like, uh, I don't know, a 1,000 laws when the, when the Pharisees came in. And by the time they were done, there were like 6,000 laws that were put, maybe even more than that. They had added so many laws on there that you could not possibly live up to the measuring stick that the Pharisees were holding up. Amen. But, but, but that wasn't even the worst part of it. The Pharisees, uh, not only were they watching you, oh, you're, you're not as, you, you didn't live up to it. You didn't live up to the law, but they weren't living it up to it themselves. They had this measuring stick that they had added and added, and they're walking around with this tree, and they're, they're walking around, and nobody else is living by it. But guess what? Neither were they. Which is why Jesus called them serpents and vipers, hypocrites. Amen. What, what he called them, whitewashed uh, sepulchers. Looking pretty on the outside, but full of dead man's bones on the inside. Because they had added so much to the law that nobody else could live by it, but neither were they. Well, Paul did not say, I've come to preach to you my counsel. He said, I came to preach to you God's counsel. We're not going to preach an unbearable cross here. We're not going to preach an unbearable righteousness that you can't uphold. We're going to preach the Bible, and we're going to preach it with grace, and we're going to preach it in mercy. 
What does that mean? If It means if you mess up, we're not going to stone you to death. It means if you fall, we're not going to leave you there. We're going to come and we're going to help you back up. But we're still going to preach the whole counsel of God. We're not going to be overbearing. We're not going to add to the word. We're not going to deliver our counsel. We are going to preach it in love, but we are going to deliver the whole counsel of God. I want to segue when we talk about salvation. When Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, Jesus did not mince words with Nicodemus. He didn't offer him multiple choice packages. Well, Nicodemus, if you'll go with package A over here, just believe on the Lord. That's all you got to do to be saved. Or Nicodemus, you can go with package B. You go with package B, you'll get a, 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 a mansion on Main Street in heaven when you get there. And, and package B is if you'll just believe on the Lord and confess your sins, then you can, you can be saved. Or, or if, you don't, if you don't like those two, there's always package C. And, and, and you, you got to be born again if you want package C. And, that, and that's, that's the best house on the best streets in heaven. No, Jesus did not give multiple choice. He didn't say, Nicodemus, if you want to be saved, you either do this or you do that or the other. He said, Nicodemus, marvel not. You must be born again. I'm still talking about the whole counsel of God. I'm still talking to us about the truth of what the Bible, if I get up here, listen, if I get up here and I tell you what the Bible does not say about salvation, if I get up here and tell you what Jesus did not tell Nicodemus, and I tell you that all you got to do to be saved is to believe on Jesus Christ and you're going to be saved, I'm giving you something that is not the equal to what you're going to be measured by in heaven. Nicodemus pressed him further and said, what do you mean by being born again? How can a man enter into, into his mother and be born again a second time? And Jesus said, Nicodemus, that's not what I'm talking about. Amen. You've got to be born again of the water, and you've got to be born again of the Spirit. Pastor, I don't like that measuring stick. It ain't my measuring stick. It's God's measuring stick. It's the word of God. It's not my word. It's his word. On the day of Pentecost, when they asked Peter, what do we need to do to be saved? Peter responded, and he said, you got to repent, and you got to be baptized in Jesus' name, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That same Peter preached to Cornelius and his household, and the Bible says all of them received the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with other tongues. But Peter didn't stop there. That was, that was being born again of the Spirit. But Peter said he commanded them all to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's the whole counsel of God that if you're going to be saved, you've got to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. Amen. Pastor, I don't like that doctrine. I, I, that, that was too tight, Pastor. That, you know, I, I've got, you know, great-grandma didn't do it that way, and so... If you're telling me that's the way to do it, great-grandma wasn't saved, and she was the sweetest old lady I ever knew. Listen, I'm not here today to put great-grandma in heaven or in hell. Ain't nobody can do that but Jesus Christ himself. My job today is when I preach your funeral, sweet saint, hopefully I'm, you know, unless I go first and you preach mine, I do not have the power or the authority to put you either in heaven or in hell. I was not given. That is not my job. What my job is, is to preach to you the whole counsel of God. I've got a responsibility to get up in this pulpit and tell you that you must repent of your sin. And you've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. And you've got to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It is the whole counsel of God. Can you do less than make it to heaven? I don't know. I'm not dealing with maybes. This is a safe church. 
And I'm not going to preach to you the theories of some church down the road. I'm not going to preach to you the watered-down philosophies of church fathers over time that decided because of political pressure that they didn't want to believe in the necessity of being baptized in the Spirit and in the water. I'm not here today to preach to you the beliefs of church fathers. I'm here today to preach to you the whole counsel of God. My job is not to declare whether you're saved or not saved. My job is to preach the whole counsel of God. And it's not my measuring stick to alter. Preachers get up here and start deciding, well, that's not important and that's not important. Let's just ignore that part. I I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. Start telling people, especially when we come to salvation. And you start telling people that what the Bible says, what Jesus himself said, oh, you don't need to be born again of the Spirit. That's not, Jesus said you got to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. And when preachers get up here because they want to look cute on Instagram and they want to look cute on Facebook and they start whittling away at this, at this book and they start whittling away at the Word of God and they get up here and instead of preaching to you the whole counsel of God, they get up here and tell you how to have a better love life. And they get up in the pulpit and start telling you how to be more prosperous financially. And I'm, there's room for all of that, but I've got one mission, and that is to deliver to you the whole counsel of God. Here's what we have to be careful of. We get into places and seasons of life where the measuring stick isn't convenient. The counsel of God isn't convenient because a friend, a loved one, they don't agree with it. Oh, Pastor, let's just, side you doesn't like, let's just just do away with that one, Pastor. Can we just back down? Do we, do we have to preach that one? Let's just, let's just get rid of that one. We have to be careful. What good is a ruler if we adjust the ruler to match what we're cutting? What good is a ruler? That, that's what a canon is. That's what the word of God is. It's a ruler. Our lives are measured by this ruler. What good is a ruler if you're getting ready to cut and instead of that ruler being the measuring stick, You just adjust that ruler to to match whatever it is you're about to cut. Can I tell you what good it is? It's no good. We don't need a word that we can alter and adjust. We don't need a word that we can change whenever we want to. We don't need a word that we can modify to fit our mood. We don't need a word that we can adjust, amen, to, to go along with whatever we're going through in life. We need a word of God that is forever settled in heaven. God, your word remains the same. It's my will that's got to be cut. It's my opinions that have to be changed. It's my desires that need to be altered. Because one day, everybody in this room, myself included, is going to stand before God. You're going to be judged by this book. By the whole counsel of God. I don't think all that's necessary, Pastor. That's between you and God. My job is to preach to you the whole counsel of God. I I really don't think you need to do all that. Well, this is going to be a safe church because I'm not here to preach to you the opinions of man. I'm here tonight to preach to you the entire counsel of God. And if you will obey it, if you will obey the entirety of the word of God, I will tell you that I have confidence that you will be saved and your children will be saved and your family will be saved. Paul concludes this final address to the Ephesian elders, the ones that are going to continue leading the church at Ephesus forward, after he brings them to record. I need you guys to testify that I preached to you the whole council. No shortcuts. I I didn't cut anything out. He leaves them with this final charge as he looks at the men that will now take his place. He says, take heed to yourselves now and to all the flock which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers over. 
to feed the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. To get up in a pulpit and preach to God's people, cheap grace, and tell them that you can live like the world and still be saved is not just being cheap and frivolous. It's messing with the very blood of Jesus Christ. He purchased the church with his blood. And Paul looks at these church elders and says, this is important because you are now given responsibility over the flock and you have a responsibility to keep them safe. He said, for I know this. After my departing, grievous wolves are going to come in among you and they will not spare the flock. Don't fall into it, shepherd, to start shortening the measuring stick. Don't don't fall into it to start leaving gaps in the fence because those wolves are going to come in and, and you might think you can handle the wolf, but before you know it, the wolf will destroy the entire flock. He said, even out of some of you, there are going to be those that arise speaking perverse things to draw disciples after them. Paul was saying, elders, I've done my part. I've not ceased to warn you day and night for three years. Now it's your turn. The wolves are going to come. They're going to devour. They're going to destroy and they're going to disrupt anything and everything they're permitted to. And from within, right right from within the church, they're going to come leaders that will be intoxicated by power and influence. And they will draw away, not disciples after God, but they will, they will draw away their own disciples, people to follow after me. So watch. Paul says, watch. And I commend you. Make sure Ephesus remains a safe place. Forty years ago, this church was planted and we preached the Apostles' Doctrine. We preached the whole counsel of the Word of God. Forty-some years later, we're not changing it. I know culture is changing. I know culture is shifting. And I know some of you have already filtered out about 25% of what I preach tonight because it doesn't align with your theology. But one day, you'll stand before God. And you'll not be measured by your opinions or my opinions. You'll be measured by the Word of God. And so we're going to continue to make sure this church is a safe place. We're going to make sure, Brother Silvati, that we preach the whole counsel of God. We're going to make sure that what comes over this pulpit, if you'll follow the word of God as it is preached from this pulpit, that we can have confidence that on that day, Brother Alberti, I pray on that day when, I see, when we see each other around that throne, I pray it's not anger that you're looking at, Pastor, why didn't you tell me? Pastor, why didn't you tell me? Why, why didn't you tell me that I needed to do this to be saved? Why didn't, you, why didn't you challenge me to come out of this world and be righteous and separate? Why didn't you do that? No, I, I pray that that's not what it is. But Brother Jarrell, I pray on that day that you take me by the arm and we dance around that throne. Amen. We dance around that throne and you say, Pastor, thank you for preaching to me the whole council. There were times I didn't like it, but, but I just want to say thank you because you preached to me the whole council. I want us to stand together tonight and I want us to thank God for His Word. His Word. It's not my opinions that you need to live by. It's His Word that you need to live by. Come on, can we thank God that, that I, I pray that you feel that this is a safe place. That I know that if I will keep my family in this church, I know if my family will keep on coming and will keep on walking under the leadership that God has put in place, that I've got a high level of confidence that my family is going to stand before the throne on that day. And we're going to hear the Lord say, well done, now good and faithful servant, enter in. Why? Because you failed not to deliver to us the whole counsel of God. Hallelujah. And we thank you tonight that God has given us a safe place. Could you do less and make it into heaven? Possibly. But I'm not here tonight to flirt with how close we can get to the world and still be saved. Amen. I want to get as far from worldly as I can. I want to get as close to Jesus as I can. I want to have an assurance that your children are ready to meet the Lord on that day.
Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus.